In today's episode, I talk about how to discern what's next in your life or what your life might look like going forward. You know, it's interesting how names are popular and come and go. Like when I was born, everyone was named Matthew. But you don't meet a lot of people named Lance, for instance. But in medieval times, people were named Lance a lot. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 93. So grateful that you are joining me once again. I just want to remind you to please rate and review this podcast if you have not yet done so wherever you listen to it. That helps other people find it. And the highest compliment you can pay is to share this podcast with others, particularly on social media. I'm primarily active on Instagram, so you can look up at Mana Food for Thought on Instagram, though we are on Facebook and Twitter. Um, and that's just such appreciated. And if you want to Support the podcast for as little as a dollar a month. You can do that on Patreon. All of that you can access by just going to our website, manafoodforthought.com, all spelled out. You can find everything there as well as how to get in contact with us and our weekly psalm reflections as well. So with that out of the way, uh, so good to be back with you. I have some a lot of updates and news, so let's get into the peak pit and plug. So a um, couple peaks, uh, really great peak. I am fully vaccinated, and so is my wife. Um, as of yesterday, with me recording this, which is a mystery day, but it, it you know it's like two days before this comes out. So, anyways, um, but we're fully vaccinated. It takes um, from everything that we have been told and heard two weeks until it's like you're fully you know immune or whatever. So, but we see the light at the end of the tunnel. So that is very, very awesome. So no side effects really for me today. Very minor. So for my wife, just a little fatigue, but you know, all good. So yeah, don't be afraid. Anywho, um, that's a peak. And also yesterday I um, realized that since I had begun my kind of nutrition and healthy eating and living no sugar journey, I have now lost and kept off 80 pounds, eight zero. Isn't that crazy? That's nuts. Praise the Lord. It's so, so good. I feel great. I don't feel like I'm chasing a number or I'm in some diet fat. I feel like I'm living healthy and really just enjoying food and, you know, having the opportunity to have a healthy relationship with food and exercise, something I never had previously when I was really trying to lose weight. And this was more about trying to be healthy and still healthy choices in my family's life and in my life. And it um, it's such a better way to do it. So if you have questions about that, I've talked about it before, reach out to me. I'd be happy to talk more about it. You can go back and listen to the previous episodes I did with Jenna on that a while back. But anyways, those are some peaks. And another peak was I got an email from a listener, um, or no, not from a listener, a parishioner, about a different resource that I create for our parish for kind of a Catholicism 101 series who um, cut out of this resource like a little uh, question or challenge that I wrote and has been like praying about it and meditating on it and it became the inspiration for this episode. So Karen, if you're listening to this, thank you so much. Um, but uh, those are my peaks, many peaks. Uh, Pit, um, I do still feel very tired and stuck and cannot wait for a break when it comes to just work and ministry and life and this kind of just crazy routine that COVID has um, created for me work-wise. Uh, it's gotten a little better, but you know it's not going to be completely resolved until about June. Um, so 
I can see that coming. It's like two months away and I just cannot wait. I'm so excited, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling just pretty inundated and overwhelmed and just thing after thing after thing. So, and, uh, we're still trying to potty train our daughter, Hannah. So if anyone has any advice about how to make your kids not afraid to poop in the potty, that would be much appreciated. So, um, and then my plug is, well, I want to plug the series that I create on YouTube. Um, it's called Foundations. It's a Catholicism 101 series on YouTube. You can search that. Um, you can search St. Timothy Catholic Church Laguna Niguel. It's on that channel. Um, and it's I've gotten some really great feedback. In fact, I got another email the other day from someone from New Jersey named Zach who said that he's watched every single episode. He's about to come into the church, uh, about to get married, I believe, in the church and um, just really enjoyed it. And so it's not I'm not sharing this to praise me and what I'm doing, but I think like the the avenue of online media that COVID has resulted in has created um, a hunger and a desire for people to really consider like, where am I going in my faith? What's next for me? And the email I got from Karen was all about, um, it was a challenge that it was about kind of what are your passions? Like, what do you want in this season of your life? How are you pursuing your passions? How do you take time to discern that? And reflect on the idea that it does your life and the things that you do reflect what you care most about and what you value most. And so that's kind of what I want to talk about today in this episode. Like, what's next? You know, um, we did a very early episode, episode five of of this podcast was on discernment. And um, I think it's a really good episode. I encourage you to go back and listen to like, if you have a particular decision you're thinking of making or you want to know how to maybe make specific decisions from a spiritual perspective, and do them responsibly and weighing everything and kind of sifting away things that don't matter, go listen to that episode, episode five. However, this I think one I want to generally just talk about the position we all find ourselves in, that if you're listening to this as it comes out, you know, we are on the tail end of, you know, um, a pandemic and seeing things open back up and go back to normal. And I've just really been reflecting on the fact, and I'm sure you have as well, that that COVID and this pandemic has reset our lives. It's reset the world. It's reset culture. It's transformed the way we understand work and priorities and relationships and health, family, future, financial stability, everything. So you may be recognizing that and you may have not liked that change you may have been itching to get back to some version of the way things were and I what I want to encourage you in this episode this is the main just thing on my heart is please do not waste the opportunity you have right now because you have been given a gift to ask or reassess the question what is next and if your plans for the future are the are they the same as they were pre-covid just delayed like have you honestly spent some time in prayer to reflect and ask like do i really want this like what does my life look like going forward and and your whole life like in general not just one particular choice like when it comes to your your daily routine what you do or what you're involved in how much is on your plate have you looked at each one of those things and asked like is this what i want is this the life that i want to go back to or that i want to build for myself going back to some sense of normalcy do i still need this can i do these things differently so i want to encourage you to take just really reflect throughout this episode and the coming weeks as things open up how can you create the life you would like to have going back to quote unquote a normal type of life Because everything has become more flexible. Everything. 
And as we go back, the temptation is going to be to kind of set everything back in a place of consistency to make it rigid, set, and routine again. And it's fine to have a routine. I'm all about routine. I'm a very disciplined person. But if you want to have the right routine, then the routine you had pre-COVID is probably not the routine that God wants for you now. God is always doing something new, and this is a very unique time to be alive. And kind of a, a almost a perspective of there's going to be almost a level of guaranteed economic prosperity going forward and guaranteed kind of reassessment and conversations about value and life and what really matters. And, you know, are you conscious of that in your own life right now? What sort of life do you want for yourself? If, let me ask you this, what would you do if there were no limits, excuses, or obstacles? What would you change about your life? Would you change your job? You know, what values would you seek to pursue? You know, in, in the book of Joshua, uh, it says in, in it says this um, in, in chapter 1, verse 9, but it says it all over, like kind of Joshua and Judges and a lot of those books around there. Something to the effect of where God says, I command you, be strong and steadfast. Do not fear or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So God has he's set this kind of future possibility up. Like he's going to be with you there. He's calling you to something new. And so I guess, like what, if you were to write down on paper right now, what are the things you value most? You know, when it comes to just like, if you, if you, if there are three or four or five adjectives that would describe the life that was a life that inculcated everything that you value most, Maybe the words are, you know, words like flexible or creative or um, something in this field or um, being a healer, being a helper, being someone who is faithful, like all, whatever words you want to use, family oriented, um, at home, you know, like whatever, whatever that looks like for you. If you can list those values and then line them up against what is currently happening in your life, you can really have a litmus test to determine, am I living in a way that passionately invigorates me, that inspires me, that helps me attain the things that I value most? Because I think a lot of times we have this kind of horizontal pressure, like we make decisions because other people are, are telling us we're supposed to make them at this time. And they have the allure of stability and success, you know, even things like financial stability or getting your degree by a certain age, figuring out if you're going to get married or, you know, whatever vocation you're going to be in by a certain age and actually seeing that happen. Like we kind of put this pressure on ourselves that those things need to happen. And if they happen in a certain way, in a certain order, and at a certain time, we feel more successful. And if they don't, we feel a little more panicked. But we don't really ever sit down and ask, like, well, what do I value? You know, like what, what is the type of life that I would like to have? What of that is in my control? That's a big piece. What if that is actually in my control? But then look at those values and then work backward from those values. So if you, if I were to tell you like one year from now, your life will look like your ideal life and have everything that you value in it. So describe to me what that is, what some of those core values are. And then over the next year or three months, six months, whatever time frame, what are some small things you can do to get from where you are now to where that place is? 
you work backward from your values. Instead of looking at just life as like this constant horizontal comparison and say, okay, what do I have to do next? What do I have to do? What are they doing? What are they doing? And kind of this, like, is it a plan or is it just like a competition? You know, like, what is that? Versus recognizing, no, I value X. So I'm going to pursue this. And the great thing about it is it gives you the permission to say no. It gives you permission to say no. So for instance, if you are thinking of a job change um, and because you value creativity and flexibility, you find a job that's like, um, okay, like this is the job. You have to be here on call. You have to work nine to five Monday through Friday and you have to sometimes be available nights and weekends for special events. That doesn't speak to a lot of time for creativity and a lot of flexibility. So you have permission to say, you know, even though this looks good on paper and it might be a good salary, it might be, you know, stable, um, this isn't what I value. You know, I need to find something that honors these values. Or if financial stability is something that you value and you also want time for creativity, then making maybe looking for a job that you can sacrifice that nine to five Monday through Friday to get that stability. And then actually maybe signing up for a class or, you know, pursuing a hobby that allows you to be creative and scheduling that into your week every Saturday or every Sunday afternoon or something like that. Those are things that you can then look at your life, look at your week, the things that you have control over, what you do for a living, um, whether or not you're going back to school, learning a new skill, you know, whatever it is, and, and making that a part of your week and your life consistently. If you value your relationships and spending one-on-one quality time with maybe a core group of people who you uh, really consider your closest community, making sure you carve out time in your life. Because if if you say you value that, but you create no time for it in your life, you're going to feel a disconnect. You're not going to feel satisfied. You're going to feel unfulfilled. You're going to feel anxious. You're going to feel like relationships aren't being um, honored or pursued or like, you know, you're missing out. You know, that's where all of those feelings of insecurity come from. And so kind of think about like what what are some of those values, the things that you value, what would your ideal life that lived out those values truly look like and work backward from there? How do you get there? What do you need to change? What's the goal? Establish a vision or like a mission statement for your life. And everything then that you do when it comes to discernment and do I make this choice or this choice? Do I take this job or that job? Do I move or do I stay local? Do I pursue this relationship or not? Everything you just hold up to the lens of your values and say, does this honor my values, my value system and the goals I'm setting for myself on how to live a fulfilled life or not? And obviously, like the context of this podcast, like we're we're talking about Catholicism and spiritual spirituality, the spiritual life and prayer. And so obviously, I would hope, you know, if you're listening to this, like one of those, if not the most important core value is your relationship with God. But if you hold that up to your life and you have a schedule right now that that allows for zero time for you to spend intentionally with God and build that relationship, then there's a disconnect. And so you need to make an adjustment. So that's the benefit of looking at your life in a value-based way instead of a task-based way. And that's, I think, a, a means of survival that we've all kind of resorted to because of COVID and, how, and because of how busy we were pre-COVID. But... COVID has allowed for flexibility for some of those tasks to still happen, but those that were deemed non-essential hopefully disappeared. And so now as you're going back to a more flexible um, you know, life with more opportunity and time and things like that, 
Don't confine yourself to a rigid, hyper-busy, super noisy schedule like you had before. Really think about your values and working toward them. Not a list of to-dos or tasks for every day. And now I'm, I'm saying this as someone who's very, is very like super guilty of living life by a set of tasks. Like I'm a very disciplined, regimental, organized person. I have lists upon lists, task lists upon tasks lists for my day, for every week when it comes to work and personal stuff, um, for different projects. Like I break everything down that way. A lot of the times I've now, at least, I've learned how to do it in such a way that it helps me more than it hinders me. But on days where I'm really not having value-based conversations or value-based decisions, and I'm just kind of getting in the mode of doing the same things to just keep life going, I can end up doing just a list of kind of joyless tasks. And so because I I really think about my values often and, and pursuing them, it gives me more opportunity to recognize, okay, my to-do list isn't doing it for me anymore. So I need to change up what's on it. Um, I need a break from it for today. Or, you know, I need to reassess how I treat that. Uh, and that's helpful and it makes it more fruitful and joyful. Um, and so maybe instead of um, your to-do list, you know, every day saying things like, um, make sure I have time to read, make sure I take out the trash, make sure you feed the cat, you know, like things are that are on mine, maybe each day is um, intentionally call or reach out to someone who I care about. You know, like creating a value-based to-do list so that your tasks are informed by your values and not the other way around. Not just a set of tasks and then all of a sudden it just looks like, well, I guess I really value work and being looked at well at work because that makes us money and then your values just kind of stemming from what you do all the time. I hope that makes sense, but that's kind of really what's been on my mind. Um, and again, I'm super guilty of doing this the wrong way. Ask anybody who knows me. I, I need to constantly be conscious of the need to reevaluate, discern, and pay attention to whether or not the things I'm prioritizing each day are the right things and if they're bearing fruit. So as it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21, test everything and retain what is good. Look at everything in your life. like Lay it all out on a you know hypothetical table in front of you. And hold every item, every detail, every task or routine or component of your life, even big things like your education, your job, like where you live. A lot of these things that are big decisions and say like, okay, is this, is this what it needs to be right now? Does this honor the values that I have? And so first and foremost, you have to decide what those are. And then use that as a litmus test for everything in your life. And then you form a routine, a set of goals, you know, um, start looking at different avenues and opportunities that will allow you to achieve those goals or develop the skills um, or the values that you say that matter most to you. Um, the temptation will be to go back to what we knew before. But I think really we need to be conscious of what are our gifts, passions, and desires what are the things we value and how do we create a life going back that honors that better than we did before? Because we've been given the gift of a reset. So don't, don't throw that away. I'm going to include in the description uh, and, and information to this podcast, a gifts. It's a charism of the Holy Spirit assessment. So if you're, if you've been going through the hustle and bustle of life and you feel like, well, I really do feel like this pressure just based on what everyone else values, um, or I do feel like I'm just making decisions in life because I'm supposed to, or other people told me, uh, and maybe I don't really know what I value or what I'm good at or what I should pursue, I would encourage you to take this charism assessment. It's free. It's online. It's through a parish um, 
uh, called St. St. Austin or St. Andrews in Austin. I can't remember, but, um, something they use for their parish and I came across it and it's very good. It's kind of an assessment that tracks what are, what might be some of your spiritual gifts. And if you value using the gifts that God has given you and those align with the things most likely that you're passionate about and that you're good at, then creating a life surrounding those is only going to result in joy. And so if you need a little help or assistance in kind of that assessment, um, I would encourage you to take that assessment in the link to, or in the description to this podcast. Um, But that's kind of what I want to talk about. What I want to leave you with is, you know, what's next for you? What do you, do you really want to go back to the way things were before? Like, are we really honest? If we're really honest, like, is that really all that we're meant for is what, what was happening before? Because it may have been good. It may have been great. But we are not the same people we were then. God is doing something different in your life than he was then. And to just try and fight back for that normalcy, the noise, the busyness is probably, you know, I'm going to say 99.999, you know, percent of the time, whoever you are, whatever the circumstances of your life, probably not a good decision. So what might be next? What kind of life do you want to build for yourself? What I want to uh, encourage you to do also is to ask for the intercession of a powerful saint in this who um, I think can speak a lot to this type of uh, position we find ourselves in, and that is St. Alphonsus Liguori. He lived from 1696 to 1787, so kind of right in the midst of, um, that's not the Renaissance, I guess it's like the Enlightenment and Romantic period of art and music and things like that. He's the patron saint of a lot of different things, of arthritis, lawyers, confessors, moralists, and vocations. He's a doctor of the church, and if you didn't know this, as I mentioned previously in some other episodes on saints with that have saints who are doctors of the church, every doctor of the church has a specific title. And St. Alphonsus Liguori's title is Dr. Zelantissimus, which means most zealous doctor, uh, most zealous, joyful, passionate. Um, and so he was an Italian Catholic bishop. He was also a spiritual writer, a composer, a musician, an artist, a poet, a lawyer, a scholastic philosopher, and a theologian. So this guy knew what he valued. He knew what he wanted to do, and he did it wherever he found himself. He also founded a, uh, it's the Congregation of the Most Holy Redeemer. They're called the Redemptorists. So if you've ever met a Redemptorist um, priest or Redemptorist religious, um, he founded that congregation, that religious order in November of 1732. Um, But he was born the oldest of seven children, and his father was an officer in the Navy. And two days after he was born, he was baptized. Um, I love this. He was, this was, this is his baptismal name. Um, and he was, he was very noble. He was of a noble lineage. So tell me this does not sound like a nobility name. This is his baptismal name. Alphonsus Mary Anthony John Cosmas Damien Michael Gaspar de Ligori. That's his like full baptismal name. Like that's the most like bougie nobility type of baptismal name I've ever heard. It's amazing. Um, but even though he came from nobility, the branch of the noble family that his family came from actually had fallen into kind of an impoverished state. They weren't, they had noble lineage and, um, kind of access to opportunity, I think because of that, but they weren't very well off. And so growing up, um, Alphonsus, he wanted, or, and was encouraged to enter the family business of being a military man. So he learned to ride and fence, but he found out that he was nearsighted. He couldn't shoot well. And he had asthma, so he couldn't end up following in the footsteps of his dad. He wouldn't have made it 
into the military. So he started getting educated in law, first through tutors, and then he went to the University of Naples. He ended up graduating with multiple doctorates in civil and canon law at the age of 16. And he said later that he was so small at the time that he was almost buried in his doctor's gown and that all the spectators laughed at the fact that he was there and so young and small. But he still ended up becoming a successful lawyer. And he, um, after quite a bit of time doing that, I think about 10 years, he was thinking of leaving uh, the profession. He wrote to someone, um, he said, my friend, our profession is too full of difficulties and dangers. We lead an unhappy life and run risk of dying an unhappy death. See that? He's recognizing this does not align with my values. This does not bring me joy. This is not fruitful. So when he was 27, uh, which he'd been doing that for 10 years by then, he um, lost an important case. He had, The first case he ever lost in um, his eight years practicing law, he firmly resolved to leave the profession and he eventually heard a voice telling him, leave the world and give yourself to me. And so he decided to pursue the priesthood, but his father was not a fan. Um, they later compromised that he could study for the priesthood, but he would live at home. And I'm not sure why. I don't, I don't know what his father was getting at there. Maybe he thought he'd grow out of it. But he did end up getting ordained a priest in December of 1726 at 30 years old. And he ended up spending the first years as a priest ministering to homeless and marginalized youth in the city of Naples. He ended up becoming very popular because he had a very plain and simple preaching style. He, um, he said, I've never preached a sermon which the poorest old woman in the congregation could not un understand. So his sermons were very effective. Um, they helped convert those people who had been alienated from their faith at the time. He ended up f founding something called the Evening Chapels which um, they were managed by young people in Naples, and they were centers of prayer, piety, preaching, community, social activities, education. Think of them as like Catholic rec centers. Um, and when he eventually, when he died, there were 72 of these, uh, and they had over 10,000 active participants. So he made a huge stride in ministering to the youth and the homeless in, in Naples and the surrounding area. Um, but in 1729, a few years after being ordained, he left his family home and he started doing mission work around Naples. And around that time, he claimed to have a vision of the Virgin Mary as a young girl uh, wearing a white veil. He said she was about 13 or 14. And shortly thereafter, he founded the congregation of the Most Holy Redeemer, the Redemptorists, uh, because a sister came and told him, that God told her that he would found it. And so he was like, okay. And he just like founded the congregation um, and founded it with a particular charism of preaching popular missions in the city and the countryside, which is something, as I said, he was very good and gifted at. Um, he was, uh, as I said previously, a gifted musician and composer. He wrote a lot of popular hymns and taught them to people during these missions. And then he became a bishop in 1762. He uh, actually tried to refuse the appointment by um, noting his age and his infirmities. He was, uh, wasn't doing too well physically around that time as arguments against him becoming bishop. Um, and, uh, but it ended up happening, and so he ended up writing a lot of sermons, books, and articles to encourage people to have a devotion to the Blessed Sacrament, to the Virgin Mary. And he um, would address ecclesiastical abuses in the diocese. He reformed the seminary and spiritually rehabilitated a lot of the clergy and faithful in his area, in his diocese at the time. Um, he ended up suspending priests who celebrated Mass in less than 15 minutes. 
Um, that was a practice at the time, just kind of going through the motions and getting it done as fast as possible. Um, so he would spend them for doing that. And he sold his carriage and Episcopal ring to give the money to the poor. So he's very much like Pope Francis. When Pope Francis became Pope and did all these very like just Pope Francis-y things that people just didn't expect, Alfonso Liguori was like that as well. Um, so in the last years of his life, he suffered and he ended up suffering a very painful sickness and was um, also at the same time being persecuted by a lot of his fellow priests who ended up dismissing him from the congregation that he founded um, because of his desire to continuously reform and live the way that he did. So when uh, in 1775, he was allowed to retire and he went and lived in a different redemptorist community in Italy uh, and he died there in 1787. Um, so he Yes, he had a very successful law career, um, but he eventually discerned a call to the priesthood. He had a very practical, simple way of preaching that helped others hear God's voice. Um, and sometimes I think we need to recognize an opportunity despite our routine or despite our success or a fear of change. We need to be able to see the good things that God has in store for us elsewhere. So I just want to encourage you, pay attention to your own heart, your own fulfillment, your own longing. And if you feel fulfilled and content where you are and like your life honors your values, stay. Stay where you are. Keep doing what you're doing. And the Lord will speak to you when he wants, you know, things to be changed. And he'll continue to validate the things that are going well. That you will know them by their fruits, as it says in Matthew. But if not, if you don't feel that way, I really want to encourage you to be open to where the Lord might be calling. Especially just in these next couple months for you to lay the groundwork of really just discerning what, what do I value what kind of life do I want to build for myself and my family? Um, so reassess and discern your gifts. What has God blessed you with? Ask others who know you. Maybe seek out mentors or existing mentors, spiritual director, where you, um, where you might also ask them where you might also be able to serve. Um, so I want to leave you with some words of St. Alphonsus Liguori. He said these two things. First, he said, the past is no longer yours. The future is not yet in your power. You only have the present wherein to do good. So I think that speaks also to the fact that you can set your values, and but always kind of running them against like, what is, what is in my control? What can I do now to build toward the life that honors and lives out the values that I have? And secondly, he said, let your constant practice be to offer yourself to God that he may do with you what he pleases. So ultimately, this is all in the Lord's providence. We know he knows best for us. We know he has a good, wonderful, and beautiful plan for our life. But he's given us clues to that and an ability to choose and discern and collaborate with him in building that plan by looking at our gifts and looking at what we value, who he's called us to be, and bearing that out by just taking a leap, taking risks, making choices, pursuing those values, even though they may not see like seem like the most I don't know, practical, worldly, or desirable by other type, others types of choices, not the most Instagrammable type of things, um, but they really honor who we are and what we value. And I think that if COVID hasn't, has taught us anything, it should have taught us what we value, what matters most. Like when everything is on the line, when it's like nobody knows if they can leave their house or, you know, if there's going to be food at the market or whatever, you know, and granted, this is nowhere near some disasters that happen all around the world other, you know, at all the other times in in history and in modern, um, our modern era. But all that being said, when all of that happens, what immediately came into our sphere of concern? Family, maybe financial stability, 
Um, you know, are we going to make it through this emotional stability, mental health, physical health and nutrition? Like, I, I don't know what it is for you, but you know, I'd encourage you sit down. Um, and even if you've done this before and it's been a while, like maybe reassess, maybe you don't, maybe new things need to be added to the list and other things don't matter as much anymore, but keep God central, keep him as first priority and see what flows from there and know that I'm praying for you. Please continue to pray for me as I continue to do this and think about where God is leading me and my family next and the things we value and how we work toward that. And ultimately, we'll see you all, hopefully in person very soon, in the Eucharist. God bless.